one thing i have learned in silicon valley is uh, the reason why silicon valley has been so successful is this notion of paid forward right you can hit on anyone and ask for guidance and you will get it and you will get a a, a lot of uh, you know help from other founders that have done it before that are willing to be mentors and co- coaches and guides and i see you know indian startups are tapping into the silicon valley ecosystem also to recruit and enlist mentors hi welcome to forbes india's the daily tech conversation where we bring you insights from tech entrepreneurs cxos and investors from around the world whose work has a bearing on india i'm hariyarakli and in this episode simha sadasiva and henry peter co-founders of asha a customer experience automation company in silicon valley and bengaluru talk about the unmet need for their solutions in the enterprise space a need that is helping them to become a hyper growth venture that is within striking distance of becoming a unicorn simha also talks about silicon valley founders paid forward attitude that is an important ingredient in that ecosystem's success Seema uh, Henry welcome to this podcast thank you so much for making time for this uh, for a general audience maybe you all could start by giving us a quick backgrounder about uh, the founding story of uh, Asher and we'll go from there sounds good it's good to be here thanks hari thanks for uh, chatting with us i think we can start by you know giving you a quick background on henry and me uh, we come from the world of building massively scalable platforms we our earliest uh, you know career journey started at uh, companies like uh, lucent bell labs where we were building the uh, most modern voice over ip implementations and infrastructures and then we uh, so that was almost dating uh, back to the 90s um, the mid 90s and then we joined uh, a few startups i joined a few startups and uh, we moved to silicon valley um, and henry and i were founding engineers at a company called veraz networks that we took public um that was almost a 8 year journey where we went from um 0 to 120 million dollars in uh, revenue um lot of experience scaling teams scaling products but also noticed the uh the evolution of consumer behavior as voice became a diminishing um application in the core telecom network and um more newer forms of engagements or interactions where shorter snippets of uh, you know videos text messages became the more dominant form of uh, engagement so that led us down the path of realizing that consumer behavior was evolving to what we what we called micro engagements in fact uh, henry and i co-created that term micro engagement to define that new consumer behavior where uh, users are more in tune to respond to short snippets uh, short calls to action as opposed to answering phones or l- looking at longer form communication so that was the genesis of uh, um asher we thought the aha moment for us was hey what if we enabled um, you know businesses to drive these uh, micro engagements in the same way those consumers are already engaged in a social context 
And better yet, what if we automated those micro-engagements so that the businesses don't have to staff up um, to service their customers? So that was the idea. That was the genesis of starting Usher. And then uh, we quit our jobs and uh, you know, incorporated the company in 2014. The name Usher stands for, it's actually a word play on U-S-H-E-R which is an usher who ushers you in and gets you to where you need to get to, let's say, if you go to an opera or a a theater. And the concept is very similar for any customer experience or customer engagement. Mm. We wanted that experience to be an usher-like experience. And that is the name. That's what usher stands for. And you all knew each other from your work together at Lucent, is it? So Henry and I started as being friends in the 90s. Uh, We were not in the same team, but we were uh, friends together. And then uh, we became colleagues uh, a little later, but our journey started as friends to begin with. And maybe you can give us a sense of more specifically, what was the uh, specific problem that you initially decided to tackle? What was your first product like? Uh, When did you release it? Oh yeah, sure. All right. Thanks, Hari, uh, for uh, this opportunity here. And uh, yeah, then coming back to your question on uh, when did we release it? The, you know, we had a general idea of what the platform was going to be. I know your subsequent, uh, you know, things may go into platform, but we knew it was had to be a platform because of the nature of uh, what we were trying to address and uh, uh, the the generic aspect of what we are bringing in had to be a platform. Um, one of the first uh, customers, uh, which is of significance uh, to even to what we do today, was had to do more, uh, you know, what they call short-term visibility, and uh, where uh, you, it's an outreach uh, by an insurance company to, uh, you know, let's say a, a, a pregnant mom, and uh, the idea being that they had to uh, retrieve certain or get some information from the person, right? Uh, uh, before uh, you know when they are uh, signing off at work right and uh, all the specific details and the last thing uh, you know somebody who's going through the pregnancy and you know hospitals and all that admissions and all, uh, the last thing they want to take is a phone call right uh, even right? so the when we uh, deployed our solution towards that um, the outcome was uh, great uh, it was fantastic where uh, you know a matter of seconds we are talking about they were able to get that information through what we call as micro-engagement, asynchronous form of messaging, right, rather than phone calls. So that's the distinct, uh, you know, specific uh, to address your question that was deployed. Can you talk about who your first customer was? And uh, maybe you can kind of give us a little bit of the sense of uh, how this actually worked, the micro-engagement, maybe in an automated form, what actually happens when they want to pull out information about a particular customer and, you know, back and forth. Yeah, so look, I think uh, our journey and our platform's uh, minimum lovable or minimum viable product was what Henry was alluding to. Solving for that engagement, right? How do we enable, you know, simple, you know, journey, simple conversations uh, to be automated, right? So uh, we call those as guided engagements or guided interactions where it's very structured, right? Um, hey, uh, you have an appointment coming up for this. Uh, do you want to confirm? Um, yes or no? Do you want to reschedule? If so, you know, uh, a sequence of uh, options put in front of you. So if you really think about it, a lot of the 
typical questions that consumers have when they want to deal with a uh, with an enterprise or with a business is you know these questions that need to be answered or the business may need the company may need some answers uh, from the customer let's say a credit card on file has expired uh, you need to collect the updated card information and the you know validity of the card and the cvv number these are simple interactions so we conceived of building a platform that could drive these guided engagements and then we added um, you know the ability to construct these journeys using a ui tool we call it as a flow builder so right from day one our product offering was about enabling a company or a business to journey map or conceive of the micro engagements use a visual tool to construct that and launch it rapidly quickly so the alternative to this was you know writing software right you literally had to assemble or get a bunch of uh, people um and program um you know the that that specific experience or engagement so very early on we no, we brought down this concept of a no code approach right to simple micro engagements so that was our mvp we launched this in the you know late 2016 early 2017 and uh, serendipitously we had a uh, an insurance customer that we you know met with and um, you know obviously we had to you know do some market research in, t- in terms of where we were going to take this to and we knew that you know there were certain regulated industries where the amount of manual work that was going into supporting customers was massive and those regulated industries were insurance financial services and healthcare at least in the us and so we started our pursuit by going after insurance companies and our first uh, customer was this uh, insurance company by the name uh, unum i happened to meet unum again serendipitously i was uh, flying on an airplane ride from san francisco to new york one of unum's executive was sitting next to me on this flight she was curious we struck a conversation we talked about what i was working on what we were building and she was, she got fascinated with that concept of automated micro engagements and then within 3 months you know we were actually doing a pilot for unum to bring these micro engagements for sales enablement so that was the first use case we you know showcased how unum could be a radically progressive organization in the eyes of their customers by bringing these automated micro engagements it allowed them to win a lot of deals so that's where we started with um and the next two years after we launched unum was largely about in what we call the st- in the startup world demonstrating product market fit which is we had an early customer using our product and the goal was can we rinse and repeat this with a number of other insurance companies and so that's what we set out to do and of course look when you want to you know scale you need capital so we had bootstrapped the business for the first uh, 4 years lots of sweat equity a lot of hard work that went into really you know building the core elements of our product and our platform and in 2018 in the summer of 2018 
we raised a venture round, um, 8VC, which is a fairly well-known venture uh, capital firm based in mm-hmm. Silicon Valley, led by Joe Lonsdale. Uh, his team invested in Usher. Uh, they led our Series A. And, uh, you know, it was um, the race had begun. So uh, if you really look about, if you really think about the clock, I think for us, the clock actually started in 2018 because that's when we did raise a round of capital. All right. And today, uh, give us a sense of what Usher has evolved into. I mean, I would imagine you're much more of a platform company now. I mean, you alluded to to that earlier on. Yeah, look, these are journeys, right? I mean, you can't just be, you know, you can't, you can't, platforms are not great business models, but applications make good, uh, you know, it's easy for us to sell applications. It's easy for us to conceive of, uh, uh, you know, use cases and demonstrate how those applications can be brought to life, Mm -hmm. right? So uh, our journey has been, you know, looking at a bunch of use cases in the world of insurance and, demonstrating how we can actually, you know, bring efficiency, bring customer um, um, uh, delight, uh, while also solving for some really, really interesting problems. Um, And doing it thoughtfully by focusing on vertical has been our uh, our key strength, I, I believe. So, our initial first two years after we raised venture capital was largely focusing on insurance. And <clears throat> once we established our demonstrated product market fit, uh, we raised our Series B right in the middle of the pandemic. So the pandemic started in March. We fund, we did a round of uh, financing and met with a number of uh, VCs. It was a very interesting experience to talk to roughly about uh, you know 50 odd investors 135 odd meetings all done over zoom uh, in a matter of 6 7 weeks mm-hmm. um, lots of uh, ups and downs and then eventually we raised our series b and when we did our series b we had roughly about eight insurance customers or large uh, players uh, some of the biggest names on the planet in insurance and the journey post Series B, which was in the fall or winter of 2020 till now, um, has been about demonstrating what we call go-to market fit, right? So we had demonstrated that the product could be taken to multiple customers as part of our Series A. Our Series B journey was, hey, can we demonstrate that this platform, this product that we have conceived of can be relevant to multiple industries, right, over and beyond insurance. And so we picked healthcare as that second vertical to chase after. And we have a number of healthcare companies that are our customers now. So we believe that we have demonstrated go-to-market fit. And, you know, along the way, the platform capabilities have evolved dramatically over and beyond just the initial you know, conversational uh, experiences or the engagement experiences we conceived of. Uh, let me uh, ask Henry to kind of talk through the platform the capabilities that we have built in uh, over the past few years. Henry? So, yeah, yeah. So, see, when, when you have to go to different market markets, right, different verticals, let's take, for example, let's say we are going to insurance, and even in insurance, there are different lines of businesses with all its subtleties of differences and requirements. Now let's take from insurance, we are going to financial vertical. 
and then we let's say even later on uh, shipping and logistics to target different verticals you have to have a platform because you can't scale building products right so now that we were successful already in going to insurance healthcare and getting into financial services right is testament that the platform has evolved right it has to be a platform will remain a platform so there are two fundamental one two fundamentals right and here we are talking about two lines of activity one is the platform focus and the growth and the top is the vertical focus and how we actually address each vertical and what are those elements of the platform that will be fine tuned for those verticals right so the platform will always be a horizontal play being able to go to different verticals various verticalization of it will be more focused on you know some of the aspects like including workflows and ai aspects of it and having uh, templatizations and a lot more things towards it okay and and today as you stand what might be your sort of single biggest opportunity uh, in in sort of in the near term i mean over the next say 2 3 years well um look there's a massive need for bringing automation and bringing efficiency because we believe that especially in the regulated industries the chasm and the divide for delivering those breakthrough experiences is unmet the average consumer is a typical consumer who consumes you know the modern digital experience ordering you know package packages on um amazon um you know ordering uh, food on uh, swiggy or doordash um you know having these modern experiences that are delightful frictionless yet when that same consumer interfaces with a healthcare company or a financial services company or files a claim with their insurance company it's full of friction it's involving a lot of time delays as a lot of back and forth because a lot of manual work is done to solve and service these customer requests so mm-hmm. we see a massive opportunity where we can actually help these regulated industries to bridge that divide bridge the chasm and become more efficient and also bring a delightful customer experiences so that's the white space that we see the fundamental opportunity that we see is it's not that they cannot conceive of what those modern experiences look like they suffer from the ability to deliver those experiences because they're constantly you know looking for um it resources when they already have a big backlog of uh, projects to you know solve for which is where you know platforms like asher which are what we call no code modern new age uh, platforms where you don't need to write software to uh, bring those experiences to life and so we bring velocity to regulated industries with a no code movement and then we bring a lot of really interesting exciting technology like ai uh, to solve for complex problems right our ability to understand language through um you know software right so that's our ai implementation so computer vision and language are the key elements of what asher focuses on um and so our ai uh, program basically combines with our uh, no code platform and delivers some incredible 
um, you know, uh, solutions for long-standing problems. And so we are today able to apply automation uh, for solving transactions all the way that were three to four dollars that were manually being done to roughly about 40, 50 dollar per transaction cost. So imagine taking 80, 90 percent of the cost while also you know delivering on the outcomes uh, for the business. I, we see a massive opportunity here. Okay, give us one example of uh, maybe some of the most sophisticated capabilities you're able to deliver today where you're bringing your AI ML tech uh, to address the end outcome that your customers looking like. I mean, pick any sector and give us one example. Yes, look, we have a number of customers. Um, you know, we are live in four continents, by the way. We have customers in uh, North America, in Europe, in Africa, as well as in Australia, New Zealand, in the APAC region. So applying you know, AI for classifying information is a very popular use case. We call that smart mail, the, our ability to look at information sources that are coming in in the form of emails, looking at attachments, extracting data from attachments, and uh, collating, correcting, and even compiling that information back into back office systems end-to-end without any human touch. I think that's a very, very popular use case for us. It's a popular deployment. We have deployed this in a number of customers. And the applications of that technology are fairly dramatic, right? So we can take, for example, email requests that were, you know, usually it used to take these companies roughly two days to respond to a customer request. Now they can do that in under five minutes because we enable them to understand the intent of that customer request. We can even pre-populate all of the data that came in and wrote it into the service uh, catalog, uh, you know, system of record. So it takes away a lot of the uh, cues that, you know, the teams were engaged in. Um, Another really complex use case would be what we call RFP or request for proposal. So insurance companies request, uh, get broker requests or requests from brokers to quote a policy or to underwrite a policy. And sometimes these uh, requests take these companies roughly five days. Why? Because there's a whole lot of data that needs to be uh, ingested to look at. And, you know, every broker sends that information in a slightly different form. So there's a lot of manual work that goes into, you know, collating that information before, you know, a quote uh, can be responded back. It, used, it, it typically takes companies about five days to handle that request. Mm-hmm. Applying our AI to a problem like that, we can enable that entire you know, RFP code request to be done in under five minutes. So five days to five minutes. That's an order of magnitude uh, and ex- exponentially uh, different uh, timeline in terms of uh, delivering solution. And that, that leads to significant... Uh, uh, top line improvements for these companies because it improves their close ratios, their win ratios. Fair enough. Um, give us this uh, overall snapshot of the company. I mean, you've uh, along the course of this conversation, you've mentioned it, mentioned various things. Uh, you're in four continents. Uh, now you're in multiple sectors. Uh, so give us a sort of an overall snapshot in terms of number of users that you touch every day, number of customers markets, the size of your team, total funding, important investors, and so on. 
Yeah, so to date, we have raised um, roughly $42 million. Um, and as we are scaling, you know, we'll raise additional capital um, as, we, as we build the team. Um, we are roughly about 200 people and we are growing fast. Look, I think uh, if you look at any hyper growth company, you know, your uh, customer base and revenue base um, will grow north of 200%, which is tripling your, you know, uh, logo count, you're tripling your ARR count, you're tripling your revenue. So uh, along those uh, metrics, we are tracking extremely well. Um, you know, we have almost uh, tripled in size over the last 18 months as a team. We were roughly 55 people as the pandemic uh, started and we are now roughly about 200 people and continuing to grow, grow fast. Our team in Bangalore here is amazing. I mean, we have a brand new office. We uh, inaugurated this building early this year and we have a number of op uh, you know, openings here. India is a very, very strategic location for us. We believe that uh, we have access to not just back office, uh, you know, work, but also some stellar engineering talent here. Uh, so we'll continue to leverage India as a, a very key strategic location. We'll grow across multiple geographies uh, as we build uh, our base and expand our pursuits in Europe. We have already started expanding in Europe um, in terms of our GTM teams, um, but our core product. Uh, Development will be done out of our Silicon Valley office as well as our Bangalore office. Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of um, in terms of uh, customers, look, we are servicing uh, super super big companies, right? These are elephants and whales in our uh, industries uh, that we service. These are the Fortune 100, Fortune 10, Fortune 500 companies that we are uh, working with in healthcare and insurance, mm -hmm. and we are starting off financial services pursuit. We may sell into the federal government in the US and possibly federal government uh, elsewhere. Those are vertical expansions for us. And, uh, you know, pretty ambitious in terms of uh, uh, where we see Ashel going. Can, can you give us a rough sense of what your current ARR is like? Look, we don't, we don't disclose our numbers uh, uh, publicly. Um, but, you know, suffice it to say that, you know, we are getting the attention of the largest analysts on the planet, largest uh, investors. Um, and, you know, with, we are within striking distance of what, you know, is probably a good uh, landmark for uh, startups. So we're probably one step from being a unicorn, I would say. You know, with this kind of growth, can you, can you talk about... Uh... What are sort of your biggest challenges? Yeah, look, I think uh, when we grow, we have to grow uh, responsibly. It's not growth at all costs. And unlike a lot of other, um, you know, startups, we've been very mindful of, uh, you know, making sure that from a culture perspective, right, uh, mm. have the right people that are um, driving our business and enabling us to uh, towards our true north. So culture is a huge part of our uh, growth and uh, we use that as a guardrail for us in terms of uh, making sure that um, um, 
you know, it's it's establishing uh, the right people or building bringing the right people into the company. Um, so we have a, a value-driven approach to how we uh, hire talent and how we retain talent. And our values will always be our true uh, you know, guardians of, uh, of our talent. So our growth is predicated, obviously, on uh, people, but it's also predicated on uh, uh, our ability to take our products. And so we are scaling on a number of vectors and, uh, you know, Henry and the rest of our engineering team is super focused on making sure that uh, our product experience and our uh, platform uh, is uh, scaling to the, you know, needs of um, our growing uh, customer base. So those are investments that we are making right now. And, and at this stage of uh, growth, and since you talked about uh, growing very fast, what's the thinking in terms of whether you all are looking at uh, growing profitably or you're okay with uh, you know getting the growth when you really need to grow and profits can wait? Yeah, look, I think when you're a venture back company, um, growing fast is, is uh, speed over efficiency, right? So hyper growth companies usually focus on speed and eventually you know, uh, efficiencies and afterthought. So we want to be a little bit mindful of it. Um, we do want to make sure that we can grow responsibly. Profitability is not a, a, a top of mind consideration as as yet. Our focus is on investing. We are, we are continuing to be in investment mode, uh, but we can uh, drive to profitability any anytime we want to. That's the that's the mindset that we are taking. But in the next two to three years, I think we will will be significantly cash flow positive, adding tremendous um, cash into our business. So that's the horizon that we are looking. One of the things that many uh, senior folks talk about is uh, how. Uh, there is still a big gap uh, in the Indian SaaS ecosystem when it comes to especially what you all call the, the go-to-market experience. I'm just wondering if you have any thoughts on how that is changing today. And since you have uh, you know, product development both in Silicon Valley and in Bangalore. Well, I, I, I see a lot of uh, incredibly successful Indian startups that have, that have made it big, right? So I would not... Um, I, I wouldn't uh, discount that at all, but I, I think the nuance is uh, for enterprise software, right? If you were to take enterprise software and um, sell to other enterprises, right? I think that's probably true, but we are also seeing, you know, some companies that have been formed in India that have uh, either expanded into um, the US market or the European market, um, I, I, there are some good examples. Um, I think Freshdesk and uh, Unifor are uh, uh, good examples where they were started in India and they pursued uh, international markets and um, have figured that out. Um, I do think that the ecosystem is strong here. I see a lot of uh, tier one, you know, investors, you know, setting up uh, every major. Uh, you know, VC also has an Indian arm today. And so I believe with that, uh, they will bring, you know, the kind of uh, expertise um, that is required to teach 
uh, founders how to take some of their products to market. And I think uh, one thing I have learned in Silicon Valley is, uh, you know, the reason why Silicon Valley has been so successful is this notion of paid forward, right? You can hit on anyone and ask for guidance and you will get it and you will get a, a, a lot of, uh, you know, help from other founders that have done it before that are willing to uh, be mentors and co- coaches and guides. And I see, you know, Indian startups uh, tapping into the Silicon Valley uh, ecosystem also to recruit and enlist uh, mentors. I get requests from time to time as well. Mm. It's a matter of time, I would say. Mm. Mm. And just bringing it back to uh, Usher itself more specifically, uh, over the next, say, 12 to 18 months, uh, if you look at your product tech roadmap as well as your biggest business priorities, can you talk about what your top priorities are on both these fronts? So, uh, in general, uh, where we are heading towards right, because of uh, uh, extreme uh, interest in this uh, area of uh, customer experience automation, right? It's not just customer experience, it's customer experience automation. That's the category we are playing in. Um, the focus in the next 12 is about scale. So when I about, when I talk about scale, I'm talking about scale in adoption. Right? What, what does it mean? Um, whether it is uh, you know, a very AI-specific solution or whether it is in a hybrid solution, all these things are possible with the Azure uh, platform and the product, product lines that come with it. Now, what that, a scale does that is uh, uh, it, it allows for them to pick and choose templates faster. And in terms of creating those templates as well as accommodating them right faster, that kind of adoption leads to faster deployments in the use cases. And uh, uh, for that, whatever you know, uh, uh, enhancements we need to do at the platform level, as well as in verticalization component level, uh, these are the challenges that I am uh, looking forward to. So uh, from an AI aspect, right, uh, Suma mentioned about smart mail in terms of classification, right? And then there's a, a lot more, uh, you know, need in the industry on handling various kind of documents, right, uh, that comes with the emails or regardless of emails, uh, you know, different forms, insurance forms that we have to deal with, even include a driver license, right? Different verticals have different needs in terms of handling content. Now, put this all together from the perspective of customer experience automation. Why is it so, right? Uh, it may seem like we're doing a lot in the backend, heavy stuff, dealing with the emails and documents. Everything is geared towards customer experience at the end of the day, because it is about customer information. Not only do we process those information, right, whether it's a document or email, the, the solutions that comes out of the platform can also reach, again, with the same micro-engagement concepts, and get back missing pieces or you know all those things. Now, coming back to the focus for the next 12 months in terms of our AI solution, right, and all these things, um, AI by itself is a very tricky aspect, right, in terms of uh, how solution comes about because there's a lot of things have to do with the data as, uh, now in the industry, right? And uh, many of the things we do, we are doing the pioneering work also, right, in terms of it's not a theoretical exercise. We are talking about actual deployments to customers and that to different kinds of customers with different requirements. So how do we enable right, our own customers to do end-to-end completely the AI in terms of bringing in the data, getting the models generated, and being able to deploy and the retraining? Everything is there today in our uh, sub, the platform feature. 
but not everything can be easily adopted and accessed by the end users, right? Uh, when I say end user, we are talking about citizen developers on our customer side, right? Sometimes it can be our solution consultants, but mostly the adoption where we are looking forward to is where our customers themselves can have citizen developers to this. And especially on the AI front, where it becomes a greater challenge. So those are the focus for us. Ima, you want to talk about the, the business expansion part? Top priorities? Yeah, sure. Um, financial services is a vertical that we are going to pursue uh, quite uh, uh, quite earnestly. Um, so beyond the two verticals that we currently are establishing a beachhead, uh, we will expand on our healthcare pursuit quite a bit. We work with, uh, you know, three of the five largest healthcare companies on the planet today, they are our customers. And so we do believe that there is tremendous uh, opportunity to bring a, a better member experience to the world of healthcare in the US at least. And then there's uh, also a lot of opportunities in uh, what we call durable medical equipment um, industry worldwide, where, you know, Patients are looking for oxygen cylinders or some sort of a home care service where the experience is fairly frictionful. We have sized that up as a multi-billion dollar opportunity for us. So those, those are some areas that we are tactically pursuing. Uh, but in general, I think uh, expanding verticals into uh, our pursuit into financial services and uh, rinsing and repeating what we have done in healthcare and uh, Insurance is a top of mind objective. So we have some interesting opportunities that we are uh, already working on in the world of financial services. And then, like I said, you know, selling to federal government is probably another uh, pursuit that we'll have to we'll likely consider. That's that requires some uh, investments that we have to make in terms of regulatory compliance and 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 uh, product readiness. So. Those are two key areas I would say our focus would be. Okay, excellent. Uh, good first update for me on uh, Asher. Gentlemen, thank you again for making time for this. Definitely hope to keep the conversation going. Thank you, Harry. It's a pleasure talking to you. Thank you, Harry. It was great. That's it for this conversation. You can find all our podcasts at ForbesIndia.com and on your favorite podcast apps. I'm Hari Arakali. Thank you for listening.